Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 325 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for The Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and The Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you are watching me live right now around the world. As always, I ask you guys to make sure that you're subscribed to The Ring Digital. Make sure that you click that little notification bell so you never miss a live video. But I understand not all of you can catch the live video, not to worry. The audio pod will be released tomorrow, less than 24 hours after this video. Uh, by the way, some of you guys have commented before that you try to watch the video back and there's a lot of buffering and stuff. It takes YouTube a few hours because these, these episodes generally go about 90 minutes or more to buffer the video. So if you try to watch back right after the video ends, it's going to be kind of nasty. It's going to be choppy and buffering and all kinds of stuff. So it takes a few hours and then it'll be just fine. You guys can rewatch it. No issues there. Uh, but likes, ratings, reviews, shares, that's the stuff that we need. You need to make sure that you're following me on social media. My handle is Montero Unboxing. So whether it's Twitter, Instagram, of course, YouTube, I have my own channel, Facebook, whatever, you find me at that handle. If you want to check out my website, it's MonteroUnboxing.com. And there you can uh, check out some MOB swag. And uh, speaking of swag, I got to break this out this week. I got to break this out. You guys are going to love this. Check out this Alexander Usyk jersey. Boom. Look at that. That's the front. And that is the back. How dope is this, right? Now, look, I will absolutely be rocking this Saturday. Make no bones about it. I'm going to be wearing that this weekend. All right. Question is, would you guys like to see a fight party for the big, big fight this weekend? Would you like to see a fight party, a live fight party on my channel where we can uh, watch the, the fight together, chop it up together? If so, let me know. I mean, comment here, uh, DM me, tweet me, whatever. Let me know. If enough of you guys respond, <clears throat> respond, we'll go ahead and do a live fight video. Man, I'm already losing my voice. We're only a few minutes in. It's going to be a loaded show, guys. Um, I know that some of you are already on the, the phones. Uh, Jack, you're already on the phones. Need you there. Kindly, politely asking, guys, please hang up because I have a lot to cover. Call back later on in the show, all right? I have a lot to cover today. We're going to get to as many phone calls as possible. We're going to have to limit the time if we got a bunch of them because I know a lot of you guys will have opinions on the big fight this weekend and on what we saw last weekend, but I got a lot to cover. All right. We got a lot of ground to cover. I'm going to be talking for a while before I can even get the phone. So please call back later on. All right. I appreciate it guys. Uh, yeah. Jack in the comments. Uh, I know bro, you're just trying to be first. I get it guys. I get it. Uh, for all of you that just called in early, I'm not trying to be a dick. I promise. It's just, I have a lot to cover. I appreciate you guys calling in. You guys know that I appreciate you a lot. Uh, let's get right into this, man. Let's get right into this because we got much to discuss. Let's start with some news and notes, all right? Um, and you guys have probably already heard this stuff. So um, Adrian Broder pulls out of his fight with Omar Figueroa literally the week of the fight, you know, on fight week, and he's citing mental health issues. Uh, some people are having fun with this on Twitter. I There was one meme I had to retweet. The shit was hilarious. It showed Broner with his 18 kids, and it said this is the first time Broner's pulled out of anything. Oh, I mean, look, you could use that same joke against Ryan Garcia, and people did last year, and I retweeted it then. I retweeted it today. Shit's funny. 
But in all seriousness, I think we all know that Adrian Broner is a little kooky. Yeah, there's some shit going on there. It does look a little funny that he's pulling out less than a week from the fight. Makes you wonder about certain things. Um, you know, he's had issues with weight. He's had issues with other things before. Who the hell? Who the hell knows? But uh, Sergey Lipinets, who was brought in on the undercard very, very late, so people tied to this promotion, they knew there was something up, and they knew that the main event was uh, possibly going to blow up. They brought in Sergey Lipinets on the undercard, and boom, there he is to step in in the main event and fight. Uh, Omar Figueroa. So I'll talk about that later on in the show during the preview portion, of course. Uh, for Adrian Broner, listen, I'm not going to beat up on a guy if he's having a tough time. I'll just say this. I can't think of a more – the term privilege gets thrown around a lot. It's political, I understand. I don't mean it in a political sense. But he does seem to be one of the more privileged fighters of this past generation. I, I can't think of a fighter – that has received more opportunities, more undeserved opportunities over and over and over again than Adrian Broner. I know the guy does bring in some numbers, although those numbers have diminished, largely diminished in, in recent years. Uh, the guy does bring in some numbers, and that's part of the privilege. I get it. I totally understand it, right? It's the same principle as other fighters like Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. There's plenty of others I could bring up. I get it. Maybe entitled is the better word. I don't know what the better word is. But it just seems like this dude, even though he literally just pulled out of a fight on fight week, okay, that was going to carry a promotion. It was the main event. And he's done stuff like this so many times. But you just know Adrian Broner will be headlining a Showtime event either later this year or early next year. He will receive another undeserved opportunity. It will happen again and again and again until he retires. That's just how it works for that guy. Just one of those guys. Uh, also, uh, I talked about this on my Friday show over on my channel, Montero Unboxing. A lot of Fridays, I do a show called Friday Wrap-Up. It's fun. We just kind of shoot the shit and just you know preview what's coming up and just uh, catch up on the news from the week and everything else, and you guys call in. I talked about the um, Tyson Fury announcement, and he announced for like the three billionth time that he's retired. The only difference this time, is two things, and this might not be public knowledge, some of this, what I'm about to say, because uh, some of it's inside, you know, ring stuff. Um, but the WBC has announced, they made it official that, hey, we're going to make a decision about what to do with the WBC belt in two weeks. Now, they conveniently said we're going to take care of this after the Usyk-Joshua fight, which I find particularly interesting um, and typical. But um, also on top of that, so somebody at Ring Magazine, I don't know if they want to be named or not, but one of the top dogs at Ring talked to Tyson Fury over the weekend, and Fury agreed to vacate his Ring Magazine championship belt. So, and I don't mean like, you know, Ring said, hey, vacate this. They just interviewed him. They talked to him. Hey, Tyson, what's up? Is this retirement real? What's going on? I don't want anybody trying to, like, find some conspiracy theory here. It was basically just a reach out like, Hey man, what's up with, what's up with this? What's really going on? And he said, yeah, it's legit. I'm retiring. This is it. Yeah. Vacate the belt. It's all good. So a decision was immediately made for ring magazine to make the Usyk Joshua fight uh, to sanction it for our belt. It didn't even have to go to vote. It was pretty much just unanimously decided by the editorial board. Um, I made my opinion known very, very quickly. And I copied several of those guys like, Hey, this is what we should do. It didn't even have to go to the ratings committee or anything like that. Um, so some people don't like that. 
I get it. Some people think it's political. It's just that. What I find interesting is the same people that have an issue with this now had absolutely no issue when we sanctioned the rematch between Fury and Deontay Wilder, a PBC promotion, when we did that for the Ring Magazine championship belt. Because at that time, AJ had lost, right? I know he came back and beat Ruiz, but he had lost. So he dropped down the ratings and it just happened to be a timing thing where Fury and Wilder were the number one, the number two heavyweights as we rated them at that time. And we stepped in and said, yeah, this rematch for the Ring Magazine championship. A lot of people like that. Nobody complained, but a lot of those same people that loved that decision are now beating up on this one. I find that kind of funny, but kind of predictable and typical. You know how it goes. All right, that's enough with the news and or notes at this point. Uh, let's see, what other news and notes? Hmm, how can I make this about me? Uh, my wife is in her third trimester of pregnancy, and we took a bunch of classes this week, or this weekend, I should say at uh, the hospital we took an infant cpr class baby essentials woo and uh what else do we take <laughs> oh breastfeeding yeah i had to learn about that shit too so i'm i'm trying to be a good husband i'm learning all this different stuff so there there's some personal news and notes uh good times i'm taking all these classes this shit's freaking me out we got about 2 months till i'm a, officially a father god help us uh, okay a super chat from isan what's up isan long time no see man he just says, Mike. I like that one. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And Sam A with the super chat, one of the biggest supporters of the show. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, uh, Broner, never been stopped, but that's it. Retire. Hey, man, I, I, I hear you, but we both know he won't. And again, he's going to receive another opportunity. Uh, Christian O in the chat. Uh, this isn't a super chat, but I got to bring this up. It's a great comment. Happy two-year anniversary of Raleigh Romero robbing Jackson Marinas of a victory. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. That was a massive robbery. We all know why PBC did that. It's pretty obvious why they went that route. Okay. We got the news and notes. Now we're on to the review. We're going to have a little fun with this one. So last Saturday, top rank boxing at the Resorts World Las Vegas. This was on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Uh, we'll get to the main event in a second, but real quick on the undercard, uh, a couple of the 2020 U.S. Olympians got unanimous decision wins. They were six-rounders, so they got in six rounds of work. Troy Isley and uh, Duke Reagan, so good wins by those guys. Uh, I like that they're getting rounds and they're not blowing guys out in one round. That's good. And then uh, talking about prospects, Xander Zayas improves the 14-0 TKO5 win over Elias Espadas out of Mexico. This was an eight-round uh, 154 fight. So Zayas um, continues to be a guy that we're really, really excited about, keeping an eye on. You know ESPN in top rank especially, they their, their dick, their erection is at full salute with this kid because they are desperate for a Puerto Rican superstar, just desperate for it. Uh, that's just been part of their business for a long, long time. And uh, they have a lot of media connections through the, you know, the Puerto Rican market, and then especially up in the Northeast of America uh, through the Puerto Rican channels there. So they really got high hopes for this kid. Some people thought this stoppage was too fast. I get it. I personally thought the fight could have continued. And I think you're doing a kid a disservice when you stop fights too fast like that, because he needs rounds. This kid needs rounds to work. But the writing was on the wall. We knew who was going to win this fight. The kid is, you know, what, 19? I think I talked about this last week. He's 19, going on 20. 
Give him time. The one thing I will say is that at some point, you got to step the kid up a little bit because if he has nothing but soft touches for three years or something, and then you step him up, you could be in a difficult situation. I mean, we saw what happened to Edgar Berlanga. I do think a lot more of Zayas than Berlanga, but I'm just saying at a certain point, you're going to get in there with a guy that can take the punches, that can punch back, and you got to have a little something. And if you've just been eaten for free, basically, and having it all your way, when you face some adversity, you may not be ready for that shit. It might really slap you in the face and you find out like, whoa, I wasn't ready for this. So hopefully they step the kid up a little bit uh, going toward the end of this year into next year. All right, main event. It was the take back, not the takeover. Although the takeover is still trending on Twitter a lot higher than the take back. I checked today. So the take back hasn't quite taken hold on social as much as the takeover. Anyway, Tiafima Lopez, TKO7 win over Pedro Compup, who is uh, having his first fight outside of Mexico, and you can see why. Uh, this was a 10-round, 140-pound fight. Tiafima Lopez making his debut in a 140-pound division. Um, his comeback from the loss to George Cambosos Jr., which, of course, was Tio's last fight at 135 at lightweight. And he had he had had trouble making weight for some time. And he blamed that and a bunch of other things for the loss. Look, I could sit here and talk about all the stuff after that Cambosis loss and how we handled it and all that. I'm not going to go there. We're not going to talk about the past. We're going to talk about right now going forward. I think some people were beating up on Tio a little bit too much because of his performance. A lot of people were saying, man, he should have got this guy out of there in two or three rounds. Look, Tio is coming off. Um, I'm going to go back in my word just a little bit right now. If you look at the way the guy's been talking over the last few months and stuff, clearly there is a lot of psychological, emotional baggage there that he's been working through. A lot of things in his personal life that he took into this fight. And you saw how heavy things felt for him, right? I, I don't mean that literally. I mean that um, metaphysically, right? There was a lot of just, it was heavy. And he had to work through a lot of things. So, I think it's good he got rounds in. Now, was he showboating a bit too much and doing this, that, the other? Yeah, okay. He was trying to entertain the crowd. They knew what level they had in front of him. I think they thought Cambosos was on that level, and he found out real quickly that he wasn't, okay? But he knew after a, a few rounds, and Kampa had a couple of moments in the first two or three rounds, but after the third round, this was complete one-way traffic. And Tio knew he could do whatever the hell he wanted to do right? And he just chipped away at this dude and had some fun with it. He switched hit. He hit him behind his back a couple of times. He, he was doing stuff like that and dancing around and showboating. And some people don't like that. Some people do. I don't really give a shit. Bottom line is this. He knew what level of opponent he had in front of him. He got in some work, shook off the ring rust, got in that first fight at 140. He weighed in at like 138 and some change, right? So he's not even fully grown into the division yet. For a first fight in the division, I say this was a good performance. I say this, I'm not going to give this an A-plus performance. But I'll give it an A-minus. I mean, what else did you want the guy to do other than blow this dude out in two or three rounds? Uh, Tio barely got hit clean at all in the entire fight. He took a couple shots, but they were glancing. He rolled with them. He smothered them. He parried them, most of the shots. And um, again, by like the fourth, fifth round, he had dude completely figured out, one-way traffic, took his time. Broke him down, dropped him, got the stoppage. 
So I, I actually, I think some people were rating the performance a little too harshly. I thought, yeah, this was matchmaking 101 by top rank. I get that. Okay. I'm not trying to give this kid extra credit for doing what he was supposed to do, but he did do what he was supposed to do. So let's give him credit for that. And obviously the dude's got some emotional fragility going on and things like that was coming back from his first professional loss. Those things are not easy, you know, had been humbled in that loss, at least somewhat. And, um, so let's give the kid an A minus. Okay. I think some of you guys are being a little too harsh. Um, the best thing, most important thing is he knocked off some rust. He, he, that's really, really important. And he announced right after this fight, Tiafima Lopez Jr. did that uh, he should fight again December 10th, which I love because he hadn't fought at all this year. But he announced, hey, I'm going to fight again December 10th. Now, he did say ESPN pay-per-view, which is hilarious. I, I don't know who he could fight that would be on ESPN pay-per-view. That, that's not going to happen. If it does happen, boy, that thing is going to tank. Because I, I don't see him getting in there with anybody. Now, now, look, I'd love to be proven wrong. They've talked about Tiafima Lopez and Ryan Garcia. That'd be amazing. I, it's still not pay-per-view worthy in my mind, but I know there's going to be people out there talking like a promoter, fans talking like a promoter, saying, but Mike, it's two young guys and Garcia's underrated. And, you know, to get them in the ring, you got to go pay-per-view because you got to pay them. And yeah, cool. That's promoter speak. From a fan's perspective, that ain't a pay-per-view worthy fight. Neither one has fought on pay-per-view. Ryan Garcia nor Tiafima Lopez. He didn't fight on pay-per-view when he fought Lomachenko, right? All that being said, if that fight happened December 10th, that'd be awesome. I just don't think it, it will happen. You look at all the fighters in the 140-pound division, particularly the fighters that top rank represents, there are a few options there. But most likely, it's going to be Tiafima Lopez and uh, Barboza, Arnold Barboza, which is a good fight. I like that fight. Don't get me wrong. But that ain't pay-per-view. Come on now. So the pay-per-view part kind of cracked me up. I don't see that. But if he does come back and fight December 10th, that's great. Fighting in August and then coming right back and fighting in December, I like that. Especially if it is against a guy like a Barboza. That's a good fight. That's one of the best uh, opponents Tia will have faced in his career today. It's a top five opponent for him. So I like that a lot. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Because he came out of this fight completely unscathed. No injuries, no cuts, nothing like that. Um, but that's what I see happening. I'd love to be proven wrong, though. Love to be proven wrong. I got to talk about this. <laughs> After the fight, Tiafima Lopez Jr. dancing and celebrating and almost crying like he had just beat Lomachenko in a rematch by knockout or something. It did feel a little bizarre. It did feel a little over the top. But considering everything I just said a minute ago about all the heavy weight he came in with, I get it. This, this was big for him in the sense of getting back in the win column and proving the naysayers wrong. Because there were actually people out there saying, man, he might, he could lose this fight. You know, and what were the odds? Like 300 to one or something. And the odds were insane. They were huge for the odds makers knew what this was. But there were actually people on social media and stuff saying he could lose this fight, dude. Mentally, he's just not there, right? So um, I, I, I kind of get it from Tio Jr. Is it over the top? And stuff? Yeah, but he kind of always does that. But, you know, that's just his personality, and that's fine. That's perfectly fine. We got to talk about Tio Sr. 
we, we got to talk about this guy. I'm going to share my screen real quick because for those of you who didn't see the, the broadcast on ESPN, uh, senior, not, right at the end of the, or after the fight, um, during the ring announcements, right? Uh, basically at the point where the ring announcer says, you know, Andrew winner by TKO seven Tiafimo Lopez jr. Right. Right. When they get to the name, everybody in the boxing business knows that during that part, that's where the, you know, the camera pushes in, right. The camera zooms in you get that money shot that you're going to show on sports center that you're going to show on YouTube. You're going to, you're going to, you know, tweet it out that little clip on all the social media and all that. Everybody knows that moment, right? Every fighter dreams about that moment and fantasizes about it, you know, hearing their name announced by the ring announcer and raising their hand up in victory and the, and the camera pushes in on you. And at that very second, Teofimo Lopez Sr. comes from behind Jr., gets not beside him, in front of him, <laughs> kneels down and screams out to the heavens. And if you look right before he does it, he eyes where the camera is and gets right in front of the camera and makes this shit about him. Now he quickly gets up and walks away, but he's there when the name is announced because he knows that is the clip that's going to go out on social and on Sports Center here in, in America, you know, all of that. It's going to be highlights of the fight and then that little shot where they're announcing his name. Look at every highlights package you ever see that's put out there. That's how it goes. So for him to jump in there like that and then be like, oh, it ain't about me, and then get up <laughs> and run back behind his kid again after the name's announced. I was watching that Saturday night. My wife was passed out. She was asleep because, again, third trimester of pregnancy, she's out by 10 o'clock p.m., right? So I'm watching it by myself. And I out loud just go, oh, my God. I'm just like cringing and laughing my ass off. I'm like, he did not just do that shit. I'm not a parent, but I'm about to be one. Okay, so intellectually, I can at least kind of put myself there just a little bit. I am an uncle. I have a couple of nephews. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a kind of an honorary uncle to a bunch of nieces and nephews of friends of mine all over the world, right? And I cannot picture myself ever during a moment that my child or a family member that I'm super proud of and love very much, or a good friend that is like a family member, right? During a moment where they're having their hand raised in triumph, and it doesn't even have to be boxing. It could be their damn flute recital at elementary school, whatever the fuck, okay? <laughs> the science fair, whatever. I am not going to stand in front of them while their name is being announced and cheer and shit and then run back behind them to front like I'm not making it about me. I'm either going to stand behind my child or maybe beside my child and cheer for them and be proud. So I tweeted about this and some of Tiafima Lopez's junior's family members responded. Um, they weren't happy with it. Now, now they didn't talk shit. They didn't get nasty about it, but there were several people not related to the family, just, you know, friends and stuff that did get a little nasty with me. They're like, man, you a hater. Why, why you got listen, I'm not hating on the man himself, but if you can't see that there's a little bit of an issue there psychologically, that there's a little bit of an issue, then you're blind. And I don't think you even have to be a parent to see that there's something a little off there. That wasn't right. 
And several of you that were at the fight told me that you saw Senior up in the stands taking selfies and dancing and shit. And and by the way, there, there was people reached out to me um, during the the Cambosos fight and said the same thing. When this guy should be talking to his kid and getting his kid ready, he's up in the stands taking selfies. This dude thinks he's a star. The only reason anybody knows who Teofimo Lopez Sr. is is because of who Teofimo Lopez Jr. is, not the other way around. I give the man credit for teaching his son well, and he groomed his son into a, an outstanding athlete, an outstanding fighter, and a good young man. He did that, and he deserves credit for it. He also, Sr. did, had a tremendous game plan for Vasily Lomachenko. And for at least seven, eight rounds, completely outcoached Lomachenko's corner. Now, in the last third of that fight, things changed. And that's why you're never going to see that rematch. Because Teo Sr. knows it. So does Teo Jr. But the first eight rounds, maybe even eight and a half, he outcoached Loma's corner. I give that man all that credit. And I add that there's something a little off there. Let me just share my screen so you guys can see this. <laughs> now watch. So he's beside and behind. Now he comes right out. And if you look right before he comes out, he gives a little glance and he sees where the, the camera is because there's a camera up, he, up here. In, uh, there's a camera like right in front of Tio Jr. And then there's one on the side, right? So he, get, he makes sure that he's in both shots. That's what he's doing right there. He's looking at the camera that's high because there's one camera that's like eye level with Tio, but then there's one that's like knee level and shooting up, right? They like to get both of those shots. And Tio Sr., out of the corner of his eye, makes sure that he's in front of both cameras before he comes down on his knees <laughs> to get this shot. Stands right in front of his son and then goes back. It's just, oh my God, this was cringeworthy as hell. And by the way, there are tremendous opportunities for you guys out there that can do Photoshop for memes. You can think of like just the, any kind of historical photo of somebody accomplishing something great. And you could just take T.U. Senior and put him in front, ah, you know, cheering. There are great opportunities for the meme artists out there. You guys need to get busy with that because you can have a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Okay. And for the and for the last time, I want to make this clear. I like Tio Senior's passion. I like that he's proud of his son. I like that the father and son are close. Okay, I like all those things. But you should never, ever make it about you, my man. Don't make it about you. It ain't about you. Yes, you taught your son everything he knows, but he's the one who physically does the stuff. He's the one in there taking the punches. He's sacrificing. He's cutting weight. Right, he's taking years off of his life just in training. He's the one doing that, not you. Don't make this about you. Um, last but not least, um, I, I have to address this one comment. Somebody said something like, um, uh, "How did they word it? How did they word it?" Uh, you know what? I can't even. I can't remember exactly what they said. Shit. I, there was one more point I wanted to make about this because I received a bunch of like hater comments, but there was a couple of them that were actually pretty good. I can't remember all of them. I didn't put them all in my notes. It doesn't freaking matter. I like the passion. Oh, you know what? That's what it was. Ah. People have noted, and this is a good point, okay? 
People have noted, Mike, it doesn't bother Tiafimo Jr., so why should it bother you? It doesn't, Junior doesn't seem to mind when his daddy makes shit about him. That's a good point. It's a good point. Okay. And I, I hear you, but hear me back. Tio Jr. doesn't know what having a real dad's like, or I won't say real dad, but having a humble dad is like, he doesn't know any better. His dad's always made shit about him, right? At least when the cameras are on, maybe not when the cameras are off, but when the cameras and the microphones are on, it makes it about him. So Tio Jr. doesn't know any different. So I'm not going to, it's not that I'm passing judgment. I'm just commentating on something that I see that doesn't look quite right to me. And, and by the way, 90% of people out there, I think, agree with me. But there's that 10% that are just like, oh, don't bother the kid. Why, why should it bother anybody else? That, that's like an, an abusive wife not leaving her abusive husband. And people, well, it doesn't bother her if he slaps her in the face. So who gives a shit? Well, because she doesn't know any better. Not, I'm not an apples to apples comparison. I get it. But you guys hear me. I just think Tio Jr. doesn't understand that in that moment, it really should have been about him. And so, so I'm not going to, I'm still going to comment about this from an outsider perspective. Uh, and I just, I don't know. Am I crazy guys? Am I crazy? If I'm crazy, tell me. And I'll own that. And if I'm way off on this and you disagree with me, I'll totally own that. But I have a feeling most of you are going to agree with me. All right. Some super chats. Let's see. Uh, Anthony Santiago. Thank you so much. And he says, good win by Zayas but had me worried with his defense. Good performance by Tio, but man, he's so cringe now, and don't get me started on his father, LOL. Yeah, um, so look, with Zayas, I agree with you regarding the defense. You can't really work on defense if nobody's testing you. A guy like this is going to touch you here or there, but if he's got no power, he's giving you nothing to worry about, you can kind of be slack on defense. So if I'm top rank, I'm finding a guy out there that can take punches, that can go rounds, and is going to touch Zayas, but maybe doesn't have a lot of power, and just see if he can work on some of that stuff. Regarding Tio, yeah, dude, he is kind of cringe. And, and look, I don't want to get into a big political thing about religion here. Um, I respect people's religious beliefs and whatever you believe and, and your faith and all that is great. But some of the religious stuff, it started to get a little bit overzealous. It was just religious zealotry. And it's like, okay, dude, say a little piece on that and then kind of move on. But it kind of lingered for like over a minute and it got a little uncomfortable. And then it just some of just a little cringe, not just the religious stuff. I'm just saying all of it. Um, so some of that just tighten it up a bit, tighten it up a bit, T.O. Jr. And uh, let me see, there's another one. From Sam. Thank you so much, Sam. You said, uh, your son is a 30 to one favorite and you told everybody. <laughs> That's a great point, dude. That's a great point, Sam. Um, yeah, because uh, T.O. Senior kept saying, I told you, I told you. Told what? You said this. I told everyone. Sam, I'm sure bet and told everyone. I'm sure all of you out there that bet the fight, the odds makers, all top ranks, matchmakers told everyone. Come on, dude, chill. <clears throat> Tim Sheeney with a good comment. He says, uh, dude might be passionate, but it's all vicarious. Yeah, he he's definitely, definitely living vicariously through his son. And um, I, it's so clear to see, right? I'm not hating, am I? I'm just stating what's obvious. 
Uh, Ruben says, 100% uh, agree with you, Montero. D Dad needs to settle down on the cocaine. Yeah, he did seem a little uh, energetic. I'll just, I'll just say that. Sam with another super chat. Thanks again, brother. Says, Tio Sr. is a super nice guy, but he thinks his son is the best fighter that ever lived and can beat up anyone. Yeah, and look, I've only had a very brief interaction, but seemed very, very cool. You know, the the Lopez family and all them, they seem very fucking cool. Very laid back, just very nice and actually very humble when the cameras are off. I do think some of it's played up for the cameras. I really do. I expected dad to think his son's the best fighter in the world. I expect that. I ain't mad at that at all. I'm really not. You guys all have friends who are like, you know, my daughter is the best guitar player in the world. And then you go to their little guitar concert. And you're like, oh, shit. Who the hell is playing this guitar? Jesus Christ. Is it Helen Keller playing this guitar? Right. So, like, but you understand, you know, they're seeing her through a father's eyes. So I get that. But the uh, the jumping in front of the camera thing, dude, I, I just I can't forgive that. And what's funny is there are people out there somehow like trying to uh, defend that. It, like, like, oh, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, really. If somebody did that to your kid, you'd be pissed. If if you guys had a, if your son played little league baseball or something, and he won an award at the end of the season, he was the MVP of the little league world series. And he walked up to get his award right when the announcer guy was announcing your son's name. When he was behind the podium to grab his award, his coach jumps in front of him. I told you. Yeah. And, so like so loud that like you you can't even hear your your son's name being announced. You wouldn't be pissed about that. You wouldn't have some words for that coach later on because <laughs> you'd be sitting there with your cell phone like trying to record that, take a picture, right? And uh, coach gets in front of him. Come on, man, you'd have something to say about that. Come on, guys. Uh, okay, let's move on to this uh, preview because we got a loaded preview this week. Lots of fights, although I'm, I got to say, I'm really only excited for, for one more than the rest, right? But everybody's jumping on and doing some events this weekend. So um, let's start here in America. Let's start on the West Coast, San Diego, California. ESPN, uh, Emmanuel Navarrete making his uh, 2022 debut, has not fought yet this year. He is going to be fighting Eduardo Baez, and this will be the third defense of Navarrete's WBO featherweight title. So I mentioned Navarrete fighting for the first time this year. He fought four times in 2018, four times in 2019, three times during 2020, the year of the pandemic, right? Twice in 2021. That was the winter of death. We were all supposed to die, right? All right. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. And that was, and then his first fight of 2022. So things have slowed down in the Navarrete camp, which is cool. That's cool. As long as your level of opposition is staying up at the highest level. As for Baez, uh, he was born in Mexico, lives in California now, has two losses. They were both decisions and they were both close. All right. He lost to Mauricio Lara early on in his career. And it was a close fight. It was like a, Six rounder, maybe an eight rounder. And it was like five rounds to three, something like that. I can't remember if it was six or eight rounds, but it was something like that. Okay. And then he lost to Raiz Salim, 
it was, I think, a majority decision loss. So, so no harm in either of those losses, right? So this guy has a couple losses, <clears throat> and a lot of you out there really overrate losses, and you, you think that they're the biggest, most important thing ever. But don't sleep on this, dude. Those losses were close, and this could be a competitive, fun fight. Also on this card, Giovanni Santian, 29-0, 30 years old, went professional in 2012, and um, from San Diego, Southpaw. So he's going to have some hometown fans there for him. Going up against Mexican Julio Luna Avila, who's making his first fight outside of Mexico. For Santian, uh, this level of opponent, after you've been a pro for 10 years, Kind of disappointing. I don't know what the plan is with this guy. I don't know what they're doing, but he's been a pro. I mentioned since 2012, 10 years, 29 fights. This will be his 30th fight. He's 30 years old. We ever going to step this guy up or what? I don't know. So that's what ESPN is doing. Let's talk about Showtime in Hollywood, Florida, which is a suburb of uh, Miami. And we got three fights of note here. Uh, I talked a little bit about the main event during the news and notes segment, but let's talk about these two undercard fights. Roger Gutierrez, 26 and one from Venezuela, going up against Hector Garcia, 15 and 0 Southpaw from the Dominican Republic. And this is for this is the second defense of Gutierrez's WBA super 130 pound title, a completely worthless belt. Shit. Uh, the WBA, man. And there's another WBA title fight here. This one's even worse. Uh, Alberto Puello, 20-0, lives in Las Vegas now, originally from Dominican Republic, going up against Bortizan Akhmedev, 9-1, an Uzbekistan native who now lives and fights out of Los Angeles, 2016 Olympian. And this was for the vacant WBA super 140-pound title. I think I got that right. Or maybe just the vacant WBA 140-pound title. I don't even know. I can't keep up with the WBA. But this was the belt that Gervonta Davis won off of Mario Barrios, who won it off of Akhmadev, who was robbed against Barrios back in 2019 on the Spence, Spence Porter undercard in LA. I was there. That was a complete ripoff. Barrios did not win that fight, but PBC and the matchmakers and everybody, Team Tank Davis, wanted to fight Barrios, and they thought um, this would be a way. You know, they, if you guys don't think that they plan this stuff sometimes a couple years ahead, I'm not saying they plan it down to a T, but they know which direction they want to take their fighters. They have a plan A, B, and C. All these promotions do. And they saw down the line that Barrios is going to make them more money, Etc. 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 So he got that decision against Akhmadev, grabbed that piece of the WBA 140 belt, and then ultimately lost it to Tank Davis, who now has vacated it because he decides he's going to be at 135 permanently, at least for now. And then it's going to end up going ultimately to Akhmadev because I think he's going to win this fight. And um, it's just going to be kind of funny that three years after he gets ripped off. He gets the same worthless shit belt because we all know the real champion at 140 pounds, of course, is Josh Taylor. So none of this shit really matters. It's just people passing around a worthless paper belt. They needed it to help market Gervonta Davis for a little while. Now they don't. 
So this Uzbek, they got ripped off. Hey, we're going to do you a salad to get you back this title. You see how this shit works? You want to know who owns the WBA? It's pretty clear which organization, which platform in America owns them. It's pretty damn obvious. And then the main event, Sergey Lipinets. Talk about being owed a solid. Um, he's brought in to fight Omar Figueroa Jr. And look, I think Lipinets can win this fight. However, it's going to be competitive. It's going to be very competitive. It actually, style-wise, will be a good fight. I actually think it might end up being better than Figueroa and Broner would have been. Because with Broner, you don't know what you're going to get. He can stink out the joint at times. Um, and you just don't know. So, you know, this fun little card. And, and the ESPN card's a fun little card. But none of them can compare to what we're getting in Saudi Arabia, right? We're getting an incredible, incredible heavyweight fight. And, you know, I, I told you earlier, I said, is Usyk versus Joshua the rematch? Is it the biggest fight of this year to date? I'm not talking about all the fights coming after this. I'm talking about to date. And most of you said yes, but there was a handful of you that said no. And some of you gave legitimate responses. Uh, one of you said um, uh, Charlo Castaño too. you thought was bigger. Okay, that's fair. I disagree with you, but uh, in America, you said it was bigger. Okay. Um, and then one of you said um, Taylor Serrano was bigger. Well, from a historical standpoint, right? Yeah, I take it back. They said historical standpoint because of Charlo Castaño too, because it was undisputed. And then somebody said historical standpoint, Taylor Serrano. They were bigger fights. That's fair. I, I can accept that. Again, I don't totally agree with that, but it's fair. But some of you were just shit talking. And I don't understand why there would, anybody would shit talk this fight coming up in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. It's everything that you guys should want to see other than complete undisputed, of course. But we all know who's been holding that up. Anyway, let's talk about this. Uh, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, it's matchroom boxing on the zone. Again, I ask, would you guys like to see a live fight party? Would you like me to do a party on my channel where uh, we just watch the fight together, maybe do a little commentary, do some Q&A and just talk about it? Or... Would you rather me just do like a, an immediate reaction video right after the fight? I can go live right after and we can talk about it. Which one sounds better to you? Would you rather go live, be go live during the fight itself or do a live immediate reaction video just after the fight? Let me know. All right. And once again, I got to show this for those of you who are just tuning in. Check out my Alexander Usyk joysy. Oh, yeah, I got this when I was in Chicago covering his fight with Witherspoon. This is my Alexander Usyk swag. And, yes, I'm going to be rocking this this Saturday. I got to. I got to. All right, um, let's start with the undercard. All right, some interesting fights on this undercard. Um, Badu Jack, his third fight at Cruiserweight, going up against a Connecticut native, Richard Rivera, who's 21-0 but has fought absolutely nobody. So don't get it twisted. Jack is uh, heavily favored in this fight and should be. And uh, I don't know what he's going to do at Cruiserweight. His run so far has been against fairly weak opposition, but we'll see. Maybe at some point he works his way into a title shot, and it might be interesting. Also, Callum Smith, his second fight at light heavyweight. He is fighting Frenchman Matthew Baudelich. <laughs> I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's how you say it. I'm just having some fun. And that's going to be his first fight outside of France. So obviously Smith 
huge favorite here. Uh, the Frenchman is experienced, but he's never fought anybody on this level. This is somehow a WBC eliminator, like, like heavyweight. I expect Smith to win this fight big and probably score another big stoppage. And then the co-main heavyweights, Philip Hergovic, 14-0 from Croatia, going up against Zale Zhang, 24-0-1 out of China. This is an IBF heavyweight eliminator. So the winner of this fight at some point will be in line to face the winner of the Usyk-Joshua rematch. So this ha this fight has direct implications against the winner of the main event. I love when you get two fights that have implications with each other on the same card. That's always fun. That's what we call a build, ladies and gentlemen. That's kind of like what the WWE does. All right, main event time. Alexander Usyk, 19-0 fighting Anthony Joshua, who is 24-2. This is for the WBO, WBA, IBF, and Ring Magazine heavyweight championship belts. Their first bout was last September 25th. Usyk won that fight by unanimous decision. I felt it was about an eight rounds to four kind of a fight. You can make an argument, nine rounds to three. That's fine. But there are people out there that act like that fight was a complete beating that Usyk put on Joshua or that it was this dominant shutout or something. Absolutely not. It was a competitive fight. Usyk controlled it. Joshua had some moments, particularly in a couple of the early rounds, but especially the middle rounds. He had a little bit of a surge. And there was one round, I've talked about this before, where he, um, I can never remember the exact round. I'm going to have to go back and watch the first fight this week to pump myself up. But just to remind myself of exactly what happened. But there was one round later in the fight that Joshua did put a good amount of leather on Usyk. And he had to really kind of collect himself. If you look at Usyk's body language, and he did. And he responded and came back and won the next round big. And then in the closing seconds, it appeared that he had Joshua buzzed maybe hurt, not badly, but wobbled. Joshua was mostly just fatigued. And it almost appeared like, hey, man, he might drop him here, you know. Um, so a lot of people are taking that into, you're keeping that in mind, the way that fight ended, I think, going into this rematch. I think the mistake a lot of people are making is that they're forgetting this is a completely different fight and I think we're going to see different versions, especially of Joshua, but in some ways we're going to see different versions of both fighters. Already both fighters look different physically. Usyk looks bulkier. He actually looks more muscular than he was for the first fight. Nothing is being done um, just because. Everything that these guys do is calculated. So <clears throat> I think Usyk's team, one of two things either expects Joshua to try to muscle them and get physical early and they want to be ready for that, or they're gunning for a knockout because they, they feel something might be up with the cards and they're gunning for a knockout. Um, so th that's what I see over there. Joshua looks like he's slimmer. Now, I don't know if that helps him. Honestly, I really don't. Um, I always think, you know, Joshua's way too muscular to be a boxer, way too muscular. And that hurts his stamina big time because he can only fight in bursts. Heavyweight boxing is fighting in bursts. I understand that. Like the, the pace of heavyweight boxing is slow, right? 
But Usyk isn't a heavyweight. He's a cruiserweight. He's a guy that is naturally a 200-pound fighter and moves up to fight bigger men. Thus, his pacing is going to be faster than the average heavyweight. Joshua, it is up to Joshua to force Usyk to fight at his pace. The only way you can do that is to get physical. Derek Chisora had moments of success doing that with Usyk. He really did. Usyk was still getting used to the heavyweight body and dealing with the heavyweight. And Chisora is a guy who likes to get on the inside and get physical. He's another guy, though, that tires out and has stamina issues, right? Even more than Joshua. Um, but he's also nastier. Chisora is a nastier, you know, got more dog in him kind of a fighter. And don't get me wrong, Joshua does have some dog in him. Um, he wears it differently. And I think a lot of American fans underrate the level of dog that Joshua has in him because he's had fighters hurt before and he's stopped them, right? He has shown that he can finish. He doesn't do it consistently. Uh, Klitschko changed him. After that Klitschko fight, he hasn't quite been the same guy, right? We, we've seen that. But um, he does have the ability to hurt Usyk and stop Usyk in this fight, particularly in the early rounds. The more rounds this fight goes, the more it benefits Usyk. So if you're Joshua, who is with a trainer now, and Robert Garcia, who trains fighters to be aggressive, do you even go for the decision? Or do you try to hurt this guy early and get him out of there? Or is the game plan to get in there and hurt him early, get your respect, maybe drop him, maybe um, get get a cut on him, get some bruises, uh, bruising on his face and some cuts, and then pull back in the middle rounds and start boxing, and then close strong and go for the decision. A lot of different ways this thing can go. I got I to gotta bring this up. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. You guys know that. But there's just this ominous feeling in the air this week that I just got this gut feel that there might be some fuckery afoot. I hope I'm wrong here. But I've received some info, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that's heard this, that ESPN made a bid to get this fight and broadcast it in the United States. Why would ESPN and Top Rank do that? They don't represent either of these fighters. Why? Now, maybe what I've heard was complete bullshit. Maybe. But I'm going to take my sources at their word. If ESPN made a bid on this, why would they do that? Hmm. Which heavyweight do they represent? Tyson Fury, the guy who just announced his retirement literally days before this fight. I think we all know that if Anthony Joshua were to beat Alexander Usyk, Fury's going to come out of retirement in three seconds and fight him. If Usyk wins, Fury ain't going near him. He'll duck Usyk forever. So why would top rank make a bid? Unless they have a strong feeling, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that Joshua's going to win this fight on the scorecards, and they could get their boy, Tyson Fury, against Anthony Joshua in a big, big fight next year. Again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just saying that combined with the fact that DAZN didn't even announce they were broadcasting this fight officially didn't announce it. 
until what, yesterday? Less than a week out from the fight? This is one of the biggest events of the year for DAZN. And they didn't announce their broadcasting platform here in the States until six days before the fight. That feels weird. Jeddah, Saudi Arabia feels weird. Um, this fight was postponed a little bit from its original date. That feels weird. I'm just saying there's plenty of little pieces there. <laughs> now, it's one of two things. Either I've just been around this game too long and I've seen the way these things get set up and I'm just a jaded motherfucker. Or, or I have big fight jitters just as a fan. And, you know, heavyweight fights, I uh, make no bones about it. They, they get me hyped up more than anything else. And this is the heavyweight fight between the top two heavyweights that, that in the world right now. Um, and don't give me Deontay Wilder and don't give me Tyson Fury because he's officially retired as of now. And there's nobody else yet. So this is the two top heavyweights. And there's a lot at stake in this fight. Again, if Joshua wins, we get Fury Joshua early next year. Possibly Wilder Joshua early next year. Um, because Wilder will probably have the WBC belt by then. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If Usyk wins, it kind of, it, it'll piss off the American broadcasters and, and the, the business because they don't want him to win. But if he wins, he's 20 and 0, and he's got one of the best resumes of any heavyweight 20 fights in, in the history of the sport. I don't think that's hyperbole. He'd be one title belt away from completely undisputed in two weight classes, cruiserweight and heavyweight. The only guy who's ever done that previously was Evander Holyfield, and he uh, needed a little help. So, so for Usyk to do something like that in this age, in this era, in a much better cruiserweight division than Holyfield fought in, um, that would be just unprecedented. And to do that within 21, 22 fights as well, that would be huge. So there are just huge, huge ramifications for this fight uh, going forward. Um, I just got that feeling, and I can't decide. Am I really feeling like fuckery's afoot, or do I just have big heavyweight fight jitters? Maybe it's a little bit of both. Uh, what else? What else? What else? I think that's about it, man. So... For my money, once again, I need to say, I think if I'm if I'm in Joshua's corner, I don't ever think it's smart to go out in a 12-round fight and try to get the knockout early. I think that's a dumb strategy, even in heavyweight. But I do think they should come out and try to be physical. That doesn't mean throwing 100 punches in a round. It means getting inside on Usyk and getting rough, using your forearms. Getting a little dirty, a little bit of Andre Ward action, a little bit of Bernard Hopkins action, a little bit of Muhammad Ali action. One of the dirtiest heavyweight champions ever in terms of how he fought. I'm just keeping it real. A little bit of that. Um, because you know you're going to get away with it. Make the ref say something. But if he can tire Usyk out a little bit, if he can bust his face up a little bit, even whether it's off a punch or an accidental forearm, while you're punching something like that to scratch and bust Usyk up a bit and maybe put some body punches together when you got them inside and you're muscling them 
create separation with that forearm, bam, go to the body, shoot an uppercut. Joshua has a beautiful right uppercut. And you could create separation with that left hand, especially on a southpaw, and shoot that uppercut sideways. You could get some work done. And then in the middle rounds, pull back a little bit and start boxing. And then a hard charge in the last three or four rounds. That is the way I would strategize things for Joshua. With Usyk, I think it's pretty simple. I think you kind of got to do what you did in the first fight, but more of it. You have to be even better than that. You have to, uh, at times, sit in the pocket just a little bit more, particularly in the middle of the ring. Stay off the ropes. Get Joshua on the ropes, no problem. But in the middle of the ring, stay in that pocket just a little bit longer and get one or two more shots in. If uh, Usyk can work the body and, and slow Joshua down a bit and take some steam off of his punches and some air out of his lungs, I think Usyk should really, really, really press for the knockout in the championship rounds. He should make an attempt to put Joshua down so where the judges can't rip you off. Um, don't think about the judges. Keep that out of your mind. The judges gave you the fight the first time around. So, but you got to do more because people shouldn't have memories when they score fights, but they do. And if the fight looks the same as it did last September, or Joshua does a little bit better, even if the fight should still be 115-113 Usyk, judges will come in with that memory and they might flip the script a little bit. We could possibly end up in a situation sort of like the Canelo-Golovkin rematch. Not a, obviously, these fighters don't fight with the same styles. But Canelo looks so much better in that rematch, so much different. And Golovkin changed roles from being the stalker to the boxer that I think it got in people's heads a little bit in terms of how they scored that fight. That could happen here. People could come in with their memories of the first fight and how they score this fight. So um, anyway, that's the way I see it. Let's, um, I got a bunch of super chats here. If you guys want to get on the phones now, this is the time. Let me see here. Um, make sure I didn't miss any. There's a bunch of them here. Uh, there we go. Papa Chubby. Chad, what's up, man? Thank you so much for the super chat. He says, Mike hates on Wilder, PBC, and now Jesus too. <laughs> uh, that's coming, dude. I'm not hating on Jesus or Allah or Buddha or Zeus, whoever you pray to. I'm just saying, some of Teofima Lopez's rhetoric got bordered on religious zealotry, just a little bit over the top for a boxing broadcast. Could have pulled that back in just a little bit. That's all I'm saying. I absolutely 100% respect everybody's uh, right to, to have whatever faith they have. Sam, with another super chat. Thank you, Sam. He says, Nav has hand issues. Maybe that's why the break. Yeah, that's a good point, Sam, that I, I forgot about. I, Navarrete's had, what, injuries and stuff this year. Um, so I expect him to get busy again after this. Again, the thing that impressed me the most with him is he fought three times in 2020. Nobody fought three times. A lot of guys didn't even fight once in 2020, including Golovkin, for example. Uh, so for Navarrete to fight three times, that was impressive. But he only fought twice last year. And I really don't want top rank to turn him into another twice-a-year fighter. Um, and it just looks like now they're set settling into that pace with him. 
Maybe because the pay scale went up. That's what happens. When these guys get more money, they can't fight as often if their guarantee goes up. So I'm not sure how all that looks because I'm not in the boardroom when they're signing those contracts. Uh, let's see, Brad DW54 with the super chat. Thank you, Brad. He says, uh, what a world. Biggest heavyweight fight of the year, not pay-per-view. Almost every other fight this year is pay-per-view. That's true, brother. Although it is pay-per-view for people in certain parts of the world. For people in the UK, they are paying pay-per-view for this fight. But I think it's absolutely a pay-per-view fight over there, right? I mean, Anthony Joshua is the most uh, famous, not, not only the most famous boxer, but perhaps the most famous athlete and one of the most famous people in all of England. So it makes sense. And you guys don't get gouged over there. We get $80. You guys pay like what? 25 pounds, 30 pounds. So super chat from Brian Rendon. Thank you, Brian says, hi, Mike. Love the show. Mondays are always great at 5 PM. Every week I look forward to your top two callers, Nacho and Thad input. Keep crushing it, MLB squad. Thank you so much, my man. Thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate it, man. CJ Duncan in the house. CJ with the super chat. Thank you, CJ. CJ, by the way, can I can I announce anything related to uh, your what's what you got going on, or is that because I've seen you've you've made some social media posts? So I don't know if we could talk about it here or not. If not, I ain't gonna say shit. Just let me know. Anyway, thank you. He says, uh, Fury's visa issues make it Joshua or retirement. Salute to MLB crew. Smash that like button. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, so I didn't even realize. Now, I knew Tommy Fury had visa issues. I didn't know Tyson did, which is crazy that Tyson Fury would have visa issues. Interesting. All the money that dude's got, you figure you can buy his way out of that. That's usually how these things work. Sam with the super chat. Thanks again, Sam. He says, Wilder versus Hellenius, October 15 in the works, New York. Yes, sir. I talked about that a little bit on my Friday show. That's going to be Fox pay-per-view, by the way. That's going to be $80. You know how I was just talking about the gouging thing, American fans? Yeah, there you go. Yet, there are people defending that shit. Crazy. Wilder versus Hellenius, $80 pay-per-view. That's nutty. That's nutty like a ball bag. I don't get it. But people out there will people out there will defend it. The same people who defend it with so much vigor, they are the very same ones who will stream it for free illegally. You know how that shit works. And Anthony Santiago uh, with another super chat. Thanks, Ant. He says, Usyk, TKO round 10. Usyk can't let it go to the scorecards. Hashtag team conspiracy. Dude, that's the way I kind of see it, man. My official prediction is Usyk by decision. Um, by the way, um, I think 20 of us at Ring Magazine, and then there's like, um, I think there's like 10 of us at Ring, and then like 10 insiders. We talk to trainers, fighters, whoever, uh, and get their predictions. That should be, that article should be posted this week with all of our predictions. My official prediction on the official prediction post is Usyk by decision, but he could certainly get the stoppage late, especially if Joshua starts Really fast, it goes for the knockout early and doesn't get it. Think back to Joshua's fight with Vlad. Vlad was 40, coming off with a two-plus-year layoff, something like that, right? And Joshua started fast, dropped Vlad. Vlad was able to survive it, and then Joshua was kind of out of gas for a little while. And uh, Klitschko dropped him hard 
And Joshua was really hurt. He's never been hurt like that either before or since. And I'm including the Andy Ruiz knockout in that. Yes. One punch has never hurt Joshua as much as that right hand from Vlad. It changed him as a fighter. But Vlad didn't have the stamina to capitalize on that, right? He was 40 years old. Usyk does. Usyk does. So if Joshua shoots his wad early, Usyk will have an opportunity late to get that stoppage. One foot out the door. Thank you for the super chat. He says, the truth hurts. That's why they're mad. Isn't that always the way it works? The truth does hurt, and that's why they stay mad. Oh, CJ again says, uh, MTK issues are going to make Fury's next fight tough to nail down outside of the UK. All good to talk about. Hashtag team dad, my brother salute. Thank you so much, CJ. Yeah, uh, CJ and his, his beautiful wife are expecting a baby boy. So um, that's awesome that we're going to have a little girl. The Duncans are going to have a little boy. Uh, pretty damn cool, man. Pretty damn cool. I'm happy for you guys, CJ. Happy, happy, happy. All right, let's let's uh, let's jump to these phones, shall we? I think we're all caught up. <laughs> Couster says, Michael Q. Montero. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm really not. I promise. All right, we got Thad on the line. So let's get Thad and see how he's betting this one. What is up, Thad? How you doing, brother? Oh, absolutely, man. And information is a, ple- a plethora this week. And I'm glad I didn't call in Friday because I got a lot of info from the weekend, including my guy in Vegas. And uh, he's really high up the chain in the, in the bookmaking industry. All right. And he told me, I mean, without saying on the record, you know, that, you know, I wouldn't be betting Usyk by decision. And it's a long shot for AJ to win by decision, but that's his bet. He, uh, he thinks there's something funny going on up, up in uh, Saudi Arabia, Arabia or wherever they're fighting. So he's and, saying uh, that if it bet, does go to the cart. He's saying bet AJ by oh, yeah. decision. Yeah, he, he um, you know, at his book, they're a little sharper and he's a, lot, a little bit more wiggle room. I'm not going to say where, but um, yeah, they're they're taking a side on that where they they they're putting it all lower odds for AJ to win by decision. Overall, it's like between plus 750 or plus 700, where you can find pretty much anywhere. You know, they're taking a side on the book for like minus or uh, plus 600, so they're a lot lower odds. But um, it's big odds for AJ to win by decision. Nobody expects it. That's why it's plausible that it happens. And with U6 team. They're, I think they're a little wiser now after seeing Golovkin get screwed over, you know, in the Canelo fights and Kovalev getting screwed over in the Ward fights and Lomachenko. Eh. So, you know, what happened there with him with with Tio? I mean, Tio he won the fight because uh, Lomachenko didn't do anything in the early going. Mm-hmm. And and I might say that it was Joey Gamash who uh, made that game plan. That wasn't his his father. Oh, Tio's good father. point. That was good Joey point. Gamash. You've mentioned that before, and I completely oh. forgot that point. Thad. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me on that. You're totally right. There was another guy from England that calls in your show. He also mm-hmm. mentioned that Gamash deserved credit, and he never got it. So, you know, uh, if he's listening, you know, we'd like to hear him call in sometime too. But the bottom line is with uh, the Usyk team, they're going to come in around 2.30. I, I look at Usyk. You put on weight quick. You know, um, I don't know if that's such a good thing, but uh, he's going to be a little bulkier, like you said. He's not going to be that much bulkier, 230. But the one thing people don't realize is is this uh, this guy's character, is his pedigree. He's a lot better. He's a lot better fighter than I even thought he was. 
watching his his past fights, dealing with the likes of Arthur Baturbiev in the amateurs and Joe Joyce in the amateurs, this guy could adjust in the fly. And AJ could clip him early. And and that's why I, I like a, a, a prop bet of Usyk going down in the early rounds and then Usyk winning at the end by knockout. It's it's going to pay pretty that. well. You could just take it... You could take it straight up, uh, plus 500. But if Usyk wins by knockout, it goes up a little higher, about plus 850. So if, if you could play around with the odds, you know, look around, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's something you can get value with, you know, especially in parlays. But as it stands right now, and last, last week, mo- Monday, I gave you the wrong odds, and I, I apologize for that. You know, your callers, I was way off on the lines. I was looking at something completely different. And uh, they were they were much wider. Usyk was plus five hundred to knock out AJ in the later rounds. That's what I like. That's what I'm favoring. And then um, AJ was plus five fifty to knock out, or plus six hundred to knock out Usyk early in the first six rounds. So with the way things are going, you know, I I, I do like Usyk late, but okay. if somehow AJ, you know, does some damage early, and Usyk. Uh, for whatever reason, is a little off. And that fight goes a distance. There's no way in hell Usyk's getting that decision in, in that, uh, that country. There's too much money to be made. The establishment wants AJ in the worst way. Everybody knows it, too. This right. is like the worst-kept secret. I've seen guys coming out of the woodwork just adding their two cents on this, that, you know, they're behind the scenes. Old heads, you know, they got a lot invested, and they never come out of the woodwork. But they're all kind of on that same path where, you know, AJ is, he's the focal point here. So, you know, I can't tell you how the fight's going to go strategically, but I will say this, AJ can't fight South Pass. He's not smart enough to adjust. And that, that area of space inside where Usyk will have his head, AJ cannot line him up for his best punch, which is, which is a right uppercut. His head is always out of line. If somehow he could develop a left uppercut, he could land that. But that southpaw stance in this fight is so important. And AJ, he acknowledged it even. He kind of let things slide. Like, hey, you know, it's, it's hard to fight a southpaw. For a heavyweight that can move and has great footwork, it's almost impossible. So keep that in mind. If he cannot land that uppercut, he, he's got no chance. He gets stopped. I think around round eight, round nine, and then you can go as late as 10. That's my pick to, to take Usyk, but my God, if somehow AJ, you know, survives the distance, it's, it's a decision win for him. And uh, there's always that chance he could, he could catch Usyk cold. Or even something else that I was, you know, alluding to. He can get muscled early, elbowed, pushed down, fake knockdowns referees that are going to count knockdowns that weren't knockdowns anything to favor anthony joshua is in is in play here including headbutts cuts behind the neck punching rabbit punching is a is huge for aj here he's done it before in a lot of fights and i don't think he got away with it in the last fight versus Usyk. but if you know who knows what they're going to be uh strategizing over in uh jetta but look out for those type of disqualification techniques that don't get called. I just have a really bad feeling like you do that we're going to, at the end of the night, 
going to feel really, really cheated. You know, if you're on the side of Usyk. And uh, I know I said that in the first fight that Usyk would outbox AJ. He did. And he got the decision because he won nine rounds. But if Usyk, for whatever reason, wins seven rounds, I mean, this is, this is an easy AJ decision. He's got to put the leather on AJ and stop him, or at least win nine rounds again, or ten. So the illusion of a fight fix cannot even come out, because that'll tarnish the AJ fight against Fury. They want this as legit as possible. Everything speaks to, you know, hijinks. So Usyk is that good a fighter where he gets the job done and knocks out AJ in spite of everybody not wanting him to win. And, and you brought up a good point about the establishment, about Usyk's record and, and being like one of only, you know, one or two people in the history of boxing to do what he's done, mm-hmm. you know, in such a short time. That's a big play too. They, for whatever reason, they don't want an Eastern European to have that, you know, type of uh, cachet. Hmm. So, Usyk and his team, they know it. I'm, I'm giving them props. They're looking to take the fight to him and get a knockout. They're not naive like Golovkin's people to think they're going to get a decision against Canelo. Yeah, and Triple G's people. You know, definitely not Kathy. Triple G's people, I'm glad you brought that Go up ahead. because they were, they were naive. I... I, I I've mentioned this on the show before, but I, I talked to Tom, I talked to Abel, I talked to Golovkin mm-hmm. himself before that first fight, and I asked them all individually, "Can you get a decision in Vegas?" So they all said, "Yeah, yeah, we're good, we're good. We don't care who the judges are." Blah blah blah. And you saw what happened. Um, I yeah. think Usyk's people cannot be naive here, it, and again, they can't go no. in with a loaded mindset. They got to focus just on the fight itself. But I, I agree with you in terms of game plan. Go for that late knockout if you can. Yeah you know step it up and throw some power punches and try to get them out of there late don't go for it early but go for it late i agree and that that's his wheelhouse Usyk in in training or in sparring vladimir klitschko picked him out of camp because he was showing him up he was just moving and he was tiring vlad out vlad couldn't land a glove on him vlad, vlad couldn't do anything and he was getting picked apart that's what Usyk does he he wears you down you know it's like the grind the mind game as well and that's his best ally here is to let AJ kind of, you know, throw his load early, weather it, lose maybe three or four rounds early, and then pour it on. As soon as AJ starts gassing, like he does in the sixth round of every fight, that's when you step on the gas and you, and you make sure you get him out of there. Because what AJ does is after he gasses, he gets that second wind again around the ninth, 10th round, you know, and, and he's done it against Vlad Klitschko. Where, where Vlad had them all but out, like you said. The hardest punch ever landed on AJ was from Vladimir. He just couldn't follow it up. His corner, Vlad's corner, screwed him in that fight. Vlad's corner, including Vitaly. It was Vitaly who told him to call Vitaly. down a box. And I'm like, Vitaly, why are you saying that? Right. Yeah, it's terrible. That was absolutely asinine. Cost him the fight. Cost him the fight. And AJ had that recuperative power. Vlad could have jumped on him in the two or three, three rounds late. after that and absolutely ended that fight. Yeah. If I'm and glad, I'm still pissed at Vitaly for that shit. I'm still mad at Vitaly. Yeah. And <clears throat> when I was watching it live, and oh yeah, people were just like, you know, I was saying, I can't believe he's not going for the finish here. I cannot believe it. And, uh, you know, backfire. But but AJ could recover after he gasses. Three rounds it takes for him to get his second wind. You know, that's, I'm going to talk about that another day and why that is with his musculature and structure. It doesn't okay? look right. But, I know that much. 
Well, a key indicator is always the gut. The weigh-in's going to show a lot. If AJ weighs in about 240, but he has that puffed-out gut, then you know something's up. Like when Wilder, when he fought Fury the, second, the third time, he was all top-heavy. He had all that muscle, all those traps. The trapezius muscle was bulging out, and that gut. That gut, when it bulges out, that's from insulin. And when you have an overload of insulin, you know it's one of two things. You're, you're, you're taking what diabetics take, or you're actually using PEDs, specifically HGH. HGH is undetectable. I don't care what anybody says about isotopes and, and um, decay. You can't detect it unless you test for it that day or two when they're taking it. Okay, the half-life is so short. But obviously, it wouldn't have helped AJ in the first fight. It didn't help Wilder in the uh, rematch with Fury, although it did, it did give him more size. Mm-hmm. But I, overall, I don't think it really comes into play here. It's really going to come down to if Usyk is an all-time great heavyweight, not a great cruiserweight, heavyweight. If he wins this fight with AJ coming in at his very best, which it seems he is, then he's an all-time great. If AJ stops him or gets the decision, I mean, you could, you know, with the decision, we all know how that goes. Usyk could still be the guy he is. Usyk has to be a step better to win this fight. He can't, if he fights the same fight as last time, he will lose. Mm. They made adjustments, and the officials are going to be against them. And I think they know it. Like I said, they're not naive going into this. So I'm betting you sick to stop them late, plus 500. That's from 6 to 12, or around 7 to 12. And if you're betting the round, you'll get about 20, plus 2,500 plus 2,800, plus 3,000 if you're betting around 8, 9, and 10. Hmm. Right in the middle is, is where the lowest odds are. Okay, that's where Vegas thinks if Usyk's going to have the best chance to knock him out, it's going to be around 8. And then, it's, and then it's, it drops a little bit in round 9, and then it goes a little lower in 10, and then all, you know, 11, 12, there's virtually no chance according to their odds. Hmm. But Usyk's best odds are around 7, 8, 9. And AJ, his best odds are about five, six, seven. Okay. So if you want to, yeah, handicap the fight, you got to look at how they're handicapping this. To go well, the distance, it's about. Sag, can I ask? Go ahead. How are you betting the the other heavyweight fight with Hergovich and Zhang? That's going to be Hergovich oh. by knockout, right? It's mid rounds knockout. I I like Hergovich fight. I think it's a showcase. I I like him by three or four. He he right now is favored to knock out Big Bang Zhang and, and that is uh, three to one if you're betting the knockout. So you have to put up a hundred or uh, three hundred to win a hundred. Okay. okay. But if you're taking them straight, now the odds went up. You have to put up eleven hundred to win a hundred if you're betting Ergovic. So bet the knockout. So it's yeah, yeah, it's a safe play because Big Bang Zhang, big, stiff, strong, powerful but a little chinny. He he got stunned by a smaller heavyweight. Um, I forget his name. Is it Jerry Forrest? Uh, you, that you know the name. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I like yeah. Jerry. Jerry. Jerry's a cool mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Um, a lot of people thought Jerry won that fight. Yeah. And I did too. And actually, Jerry screwed me in the next fight against Pulev. So oh, he, yeah. he basically didn't show up and Pulev wiped him. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm like, you got to be kidding me. That guy cost me a parlay that would have, uh, you know, put me in enriches for at least a couple of years. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it is what it is. And, um, 
you know, if you're looking to, you know, do the parlays this week, uh, Akhmadov, another Akhmadov, he, like you said, he got screwed over uh, in the Barrios fight. I, I love him in this situation. He's only minus 250. So he's a small favorite. You can make some money there. Okay. Um, against the, uh, the, the Dominican, who really doesn't have a strong resume. He's, he's got a light record. You know, has all the signs of PBC, you know, paying him back for taking the loss against uh, Barrios. So, uh, That's how I see it. Another thing about PB, yeah, PBC with uh, with Broner. Yeah, they had that all set up with uh, Lipinets ready to jump in. I think they knew about that before the weekend because all of a sudden I saw Lipinets pop up on the screen for, uh, you know, fighting some guy I never heard of. So they, they moved him in. It's going to be interesting to see what the odds are for that fight now against Figueroa. So, uh, who figure out who I might add, he ripped into Adrian Broner as right. He should about the uh, mental health issue. Yeah. So if you want to get into that at some point, you know, next week, you know, we'll feel talk, free to we'll think Friday. he's a hall of famer. It's all about the Friday. Yeah. But, uh, I got to, I got to move on, that, man. You've been on for right. 15, but Mike. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Mac, and I'm going to hold off call on Friday, but if there is something important, I will chime in and only for like a minute, okay? Because I want to hear these other guys. Okay. Call in, talk your stuff, and get going. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Thanks a lot, Fed. Yeah, I know, guys, I, I said earlier, we got to make the calls quick, but, um, you know, the thing with Fed's calls is, you know, he gives a lot of great betting advice, and I know a lot of you guys out there love to bet on the fights. So um, I just wanted to get his takes on some of the odds and stuff like that. So. Um, because that does pretty well in Vegas. Uh, as uh, Chris Bergen in the chat says, though, the house usually wins. So bet responsibly, people. But Thad is one of those guys that does pretty well. Um, CJ Junkins says, I was wondering why my abs were extending out. Uh, that might be a different reason, CJ. Uh, if I could give you any advice, brother, because I'm a little further along in the uh, pregnant wife process than you are. When you go out with the pregnant wife, she's going to eat everything you got to have Porsche control, bro. Cause it's been hard for me to cut weight for these fights in my training. Um, and she's going to want to get those sweets and those snacks. So yeah, you don't want your, your abs extending for that reason. <laughs> you definitely don't want that. So yeah, watch the uh, extra cake snacks and all that stuff. <clears throat> all right. Uh, let's see. Let's jo- Oh, we got uh Jack. Jack called in again. All right. Um, let's get Jack on the line. Jack, what's up, my man? How you doing? Bro, you got to fuck. I was first. I was first, bro. You told me You were first, but you... Hold on, hold on, hold on. You were first, but you hung up, and then Thad called in, and then you called in after Thad. So you were after the queue. Thad was before you in the queue, bro. I don't ever skip. I don't don't do that shit. I'm still first, though. I'm still first. (laughs) Whatever. I'm about this Thad. He's the most... He's the most biased. Dude, it's funny though, because it's like me, like completely, it's like what I would be like if I totally disregarded everyone else's like opinion. He's just like, yeah, he's on, he's on steroids. He's on steroids. Um, <laughs> but like, he's like, there's no question. He's like, yeah, Errol Spence, uh, uh, he looks good, but you know, he's always on, uh, yeah, I think he's on something. I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like, dude, not everything is about that. Like, uh, what should we call it? Uh, and another thing, and Thad, I like you, man, but <laughs> yeah, chill, dude. It made me laugh really hard because he was like, a, 
yeah, even if Usyk wins all 12 rounds, he's not getting a decision. It doesn't, boxing doesn't work like that. If you clearly win a fight like Bibble did with Canelo, they have to give it to you. Do they not? The judges have uh, to give it to you. I've seen it go against some guys who clearly won fights, man. I, I mean, it does happen, but I, I just, you well, know. I mean, like, dominate. I, I've actually I mean, like, seen dominate. some some fighters dominate a fight and get screwed. Um, damn, what was the one fight? Uh, shit. There's one that stands out. I can't. Uh, I can't think of it right now. Damn it. But there have been fights where you saw a guy win literally 11, 12, um, 10, 11, 12 rounds and get robbed. I've seen it. That can't happen in this but, fight. Yeah. I mean, if Usyk wins 10 rounds to two, he'll get the decision. But I mean, you say, hey, man, you, you brought up Canelo Beevil. Uh, one of those cards was like 115, 113, wasn't it? All of them were. Yeah, All there you go. Were. And that dude, Beevil won 10 rounds of that fight. So they were trying to fuck him. He he just, look, man, if Usyk's got to win at least nine rounds of this fight, I'm with that on that. Because I thought he won eight, nine rounds in that first fight easily. And one of the judges, I think, had it 115, 113. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, there's fights. Uh, let me think. Like Whitaker Chavez. Um, oh, that was absolute robbery. Bradley, yeah, the first Bradley. Um, the first, what am I call it? Bradley, Bradley Pacquiao fight. Pacquiao fight. Yeah, that one was very bad. But he he's saying there's no possible way he can win a decision. There is a possible way he can win a decision. Yeah, I agree with know? that. No, I, I agree mean, with that. I absolutely yeah. agree with that. Um, because the first one, uh, the cards were a little too close, and they gave it to him. They gave it to uh, Usyk. And, you know, I'm actually, I was telling everyone for years Usyk would be Joshua. Dude, this fight's pretty 50 50, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Does that surprise you that I'm saying that? Because I always said Usyk would win the first one. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, because you were adamant about it and you were right. But what changed your mind? What, what is it now that makes you see this as a 50 50 fight? Well, the first time, and I tried convincing you this also there's a nude hd xyz in the chat spamming you might want to oh really oh my god oh there it is boom block user they won't stop typing jesus bro geez um (laughs) um it's not me it's it's ring it's ring's channel so i don't know what's going on (laughs) it's not me (laughs) Uh, yeah hey guys nude no but um (laughs) what changed my mind is you know, you always said the size would be a, be a big um, factor in the first fight. I said, if you're able to handle Derek Chisora, who's a monster and an extremely underrated fighter and a big, like a big boy, a hard puncher, a really scary dude, you can handle anyone in the heavyweight division. If you can, whatchamacallit, what's that, withstand or weather, yeah. the, weather the storm that is Derek Chisora. Chisora is a physical you know dude. Could, He's a physical guy, the yeah, way he fights. Exactly. It's like fighting Fury. It's really not, but I mean the physical strength part. If you can hang in with Chisora, you can hang in with any heavyweight due to just physical like strength. And that's why I said I think he'll beat Joshua because Joshua's going to try to box because that's who Joshua is. But now I said, okay, if Joshua gets a little reckless um, and just goes to a knockout here, he could win because he, like, look at the adjustments he made in the rematch with, um, with uh, Ruiz. And, you know, people really disrespect AJ, and I hate to see it. Like, they're like, he's chinny. It's like, okay, he may be a little bit chinny, but he has amazing boxing skills. He has great – he's good in, like, every aspect. And people just 
hate the dude. Make yeah, it's bad. weird. He gets a lot of hate, but he's a pretty good fighter. Uh, he really is a pretty good fighter. Yeah. Um, so I made a bet with my friend that the fight is not going to distance. And I think it's that's kind of like a 50-50 bet. Would you agree? Like, it kind of can go either way. Like, this fight yeah. could end. I, both guys uh, could get a knockout in this fight. Both guys. So is that a safe bet? I'm betting like 20 bucks that a knockout's going to happen. So it's either guy knockout? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a safe bet. I mean, you're basically betting the under. I think that's a safe bet. It could happen. Yeah. For so sure. yeah, my friend goes like all the way. Um, dude, Chris just said if Triple G made Jack his social media handle, I reckon Jack could make Triple G more popular in the USA. Bro, what's with Chris talking all this Triple G shit? Let me tell you something. <laughs> and I'm just fight someone up. Uh, no, no, I could. Chris had Chris had I one earlier. Chris I, said, uh, "No way, Jack has gone 30 seconds without talking about Triple G." <laughs> Chris is on fire today, Jack. You're gonna take that shit. <laughs> You're gonna take that. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Once Triple G knocks out Canelo in the trilogy, it will see who keeps talking shit. You'll be like, everyone else will be like, dude, this is the greatest fighter of all time. We'll be like, I told all of you, best jab of all time, best chin of all time, best offense of all time. Uh, yeah, but anyways, I'm not gonna talk about Triple G because I wanted to talk about um, I wanted to talk about AJ Usyk. It's gonna be a great fight. Um, the Hergovic Zhang fight, I definitely want to think that it won't last long at all, and I'm definitely picking Hergovic. For some reason, I kind of have this sadistic thing in me that I, I think like uh, Zhang is kind of limited, and I just want to see him go to sleep because he's so big. It's kind of cool to see a guy yeah. that big like fall down. You know? Yeah. Because when does that happen? You know, you like, probably you're probably too young to remember a fighter named Ty Fields. He, uh, oh, he, I know him, but he's only like six six. He's only like six six. Yeah, he got dropped hard. Who the hell knocked him out? It might have been Monty Barrett. Uh, knocked him. Yeah, it was a flat monster. out. Oh, six eight. Yeah, six, it just eight, seeing right. a six eight man smash into the canvas. I mean, it was kind of crazy. It's just crazy. But yeah, Zhang is bigger. He he's heavier than he was. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Then I wanted to cover the Fury situation. Dude, Fury is, I hate that dude so much. And I know you're supposed to keep things neutral, but I got a feeling you don't like him at all either because the dude's absolutely delusional and he's only fighting the dude. Because I think, and I told everyone this in the first place, if they fight Usyk and Fury, you know who wins. Usyk does. Usyk wins that fight. I don't care. You can handle, what's that? Usyk wins that fight. I agree with you. Yeah. And because uh, the thing is, Joshua's a better boxer and Styles make fights. Joshua's a better boxer than Fury, and he hits harder, and Fury just gets hit way too much. So, it's uh, and he just talks all this shit like, I don't need to fight Usyk. I'm like, uh, yes, you do. If you want to be considered good, and he talks all this shit, he's like a middleweight. I'll be like, yeah, maybe so, but he'll still not, he'll still beat the shit out of you. He's talking all this trash like Usyk's like a nobody, a no name. It's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. He says a lot of dumb shit, bro. I, I just, I stopped paying attention to anything that dude says a long time ago. Yeah, man. All right. Pork chop time. Let's go. <laughs> pork chop. All it's right, pork man. chop night in Jack's house. Yes. That's awesome. Yes, sir. All right, Mike. You know he's on steroids, though. That's my sad impression. Uh, That's your sad impression. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Everyone's talking uh, shit today. We got the the MLB crew is just going back and forth. But hey, it's all in love, right? It's all in love, guys. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <sighs> well, go go enjoy your pork chops. Now, hold on. Let me ask you this, Jack. I got to ask you one thing. Do you put applesauce on your pork chops? No, but okay. now that you say that, I might do that. No, don't, don't, don't. I, I've seen people do that. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I, I, I can't put fruit with meat. That's just weird. I, I've seen people do that shit. So I had to ask you. I just put hot sauce, but you know, or barbecue sauce or some no, shit. No, that sounds good. I thought, what if I said yes? You would be like, all right, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> just like, hang up the phone. <laughs> uh, shit. I can so, see but, all right, man. You have a good night. I'll be listening in. All right, Jack. Peace. All right, there he goes. I got, you know, since he brought it up, I, I'm going to share my screen and show you guys this video um, of Ty Fields. Because, yeah, it was, it was Monty Barrett. So check it out. I pulled this up on YouTube. Um, this shouldn't be copyrighted. I should be able to show this. But uh, let me, I, I remember watching this live. Yeah, this is back in 2008. Wow. So this goes back. I can't do math right now. It goes back 14 years. I can't remember what undercard this was. This is on an undercard. Um, man, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. But Fields was this huge dude, man. And um, he was from North Dakota or some shit. And they called him Big Sky. Ty, Big Sky Fields. Uh, he's about to get dropped hard. Let me fast forward here. And see, look at look how he's fighting uh low down to Monty Barrett's level. As a as a big man, you should never crouch down like that. Head right up on the line. And Barrett's just going to reach with an overhand. I think it's an overhand right, if I remember correctly. There it is. Well, there's one. There's the left. Oh! And, I mean, that dude fell hard, real hard. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get up. He's not getting up, Jim. And that was that. That was the Ty Fields experiment. That um, I can't remember how many fights he had, but he was undefeated for a while. And because he was so big, you know, they were they were marketing him. I mean, everyone kind of knew what they had, right? The level there. But um, yeah, Monty Barrett put that to bed. Um, we got a super chat. Oh, you know what, Sam? I I, uh, I missed your super chat during Thad's call, but thank you for the super chat. He said, "Pick the other fights, Thad." Well, we I he did give you his thoughts on the Hergovich fight. Right. And um, I completely agree with him. I think Jack said the same thing. Um, Hergovich should get him out of there. I'd say middle rounds. I'm not going to say second or third. I would be impressed if he did. Cause Zang is a big dude. He's just a big, big guy. Uh, Sam a again with a super chat. Thanks again. He said, maybe if Ukraine being flattened will affect Usyk. Yeah. So I know where you're going with that. I know I got to that late, but um, you know, a lot has been made about Usyk fighting in the war or just being at war, you know, his homeland being at war. Because, you know, I've brought up the war thing and some people say, he's not on the front lines. People just always got to talk shit. Um, his, co his country's at war. So even if he's on, whether he's in the front lines or, or he's in the back, he sees what's going on, right? It, it, it's traumatic. And um, I should mention this. Um, it's I think we mentioned it maybe last week, but Usyk is... I think like not taking any money for this fight in the Ukraine from the Ukrainian network. So they could show this for free to everybody in the Ukraine, which is pretty awesome. But, you know, 
I think we've all talked about how the war may negatively affect Usyk, but to your point, Sam, um, maybe it, it could affect him in a positive way. Maybe it inspires him the way Buster Douglas was inspired against Mike Tyson. Um, so we could see something like that. Canada Chris asked, but do you put pineapple on pizza, Mike? No, no one does that shit. Nobody, no Italian that I know uh, puts pineapple on their pizza. Now I'm also Eastern European, but I don't think any Eastern Europeans do that shit either. Um, pineapple does not belong on pizza. No, that shit is whack. Hell no. I, I'm a snob about my pizza. I'll, I'll admit that shit. I will admit it. All right. Um, oh, no more phone calls. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, Chad says pizza equals no fruit or fish. Thank you, sir. You get the applause. You get the applause button. <laughs> William says applesauce on pork chops is ungodly. <laughs> I I don't get applesauce. I don't. Applesauce is baby food. It literally looks like baby food. Just never been an applesauce guy, but I've seen people do that. Like in, you know, middle America, I, I've seen people, you know, uh, order pork chops and put applesauce on it. And I, I, I don't know. That's just one of those things I don't quite understand. There's certain food things I don't understand. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. Oh, oh, you know what? Yeah. Mindyola, you're right. And Wolf's knockout was way worse. I should, I should pull that one up. I'm definitely going to get this damn video uh probably on some youtube you know um youtube's gonna ban this video now uh because i'm showing stuff but none of this is copywritten so i should be able to show it oh yeah there's a bunch of clips here let me show this um since mindiola brought it up and then we'll uh we'll bounce guys but this and wolf knockout check this shit out again this is a big chick big muscular who knows what the hell this chick is on, but she's definitely juicing or something. But Ann Wolf did not fuck around. Ann Wolf did not play. All right, I'm going to just fast forward because it was this was a quick one. Now, at least this girl's fighting tall, but she is straight up and backing straight up. Head is right on the line. And right away from the jabs, right, you can see what's up. Because Ann's touching her with the jab. Went for a body shot there. It's coming. Boom. Walked right into that shit. Holy hell. She don't know what world it is. Let me, I got to show that one again. Walks right into this. Whew. And, and dipped a little bit. Like, like she might go to the body before she shot that watch. Boom. Damn son. That had to hurt. Actually, it probably didn't even hurt. She just didn't know what the hell happened. All right. Um, well, guys, that's it for this episode. So we are going to actually, you know what? Don't drop. We got a UK caller just called in. And since you took the time to call in all the way from the UK, we're going to extend the show for you. And then after this call, we're going to end it. So if you're staying on, then you're going to get to hear this UK call. Let's jump to this uh, 780. What's up? You're on the show. Hi, Mike. Chris Bergen. How are you doing? Chris, I thought that might be you. How are you doing, brother? Uh, I'm doing really good, man. Enjoying the show. And you said no call, so I thought I'd call in. Cool. 
<laughs> hey, I just wanted to tell the funny story from uh, last week uh, when I was in uh, Manchester City Centre and um, there was a crowd of about 50 people outside a Foot Locker shop and uh, I said to the guys, you know, we'd had a few drinks at this time, I said, what's going on over here? I said, I don't know. So I walked over and uh, I said, to, uh, there was a young guy in the queue uh, with his girlfriend. I said, what, what's going on here? He said, oh, uh, Tommy Fury's brother is in there. And I said, <laughs> what, you mean? You mean Tyson Fury? He went, I don't know the guy's name. I said, what? That's <laughs> crazy. So, uh, yeah. So I walked over and I thought, uh, it must be his other brother. So I looked over in the uh, through the window and I saw um, his other brother, Shane Fury, okay. walking around. I thought, oh, it must have meant him. And then all of a sudden, Tyson Fury walks over. And I'm like, wow. The guy, the guy described... Tyson Fury is Tommy Fury's brother. I mean, come on, that's, that's how, okay. How how old is this guy? How old is he? Um, earlier uh, 23, 24, 25. Okay. Uh, uh, mid- so he, I, he I went over to the. I'm sorry to cut you off, but he, he so obviously this guy knows Tommy Fury because of the Jake Paul thing, right? That's what I'm guessing. Well, well, no, there's um. So I went over to the guy and said, I said, uh, there was. Tyson Fury in there, he went, oh, I don't, I don't know the guy. I said, how do you know Tommy Fury then, if you don't know him, because he's like 10 times more famous than, than Tommy Fury. He said, oh, uh, I watched Love Island. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Love Island is basically like the British version of these trash programs in America, like uh, these housewife programs and all these shit is it like people watch they used to have one here called temptation island where they put a bunch of single people on an island and got them drunk and they all had sex basically is that what that is yes yes exactly the same as that so this guy obviously watched that with his girlfriend or something and (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah and i was just like wow imagine the disrespect yeah holy shit called tommy fury's brother tommy fury is a good looking guy i'll say the dude does look like he's a model or something so i can see why he'd be on a show like that yeah, yeah, he's got a different mom to uh, Tyson Fury. Okay. His mom's from, like, Malta. He's got Maltese mom, ah, I think. Ah, so. that's what it is, Malta. That's a little yeah, island yeah. Uh, yeah. in between Italy and uh, North Africa. So the the, yep. the women there are there. gorgeous. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've been on holiday there. Um, they filmed a Popeye film there, and there's a whole Popeye village there. I went to, to shit. the Popeye village. It was actually quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was absolutely hilarious. How, you know, they described um, Tyson Fury as Tommy Fury. I mean, he is his brother, but to describe him as that is hilarious. That is insane, <laughs> dude. Wow. Um, but, but yeah, um, as regards to the whole situation with that, I'm I'm so glad the ring of uh, you know the, I don't know whether the ring put pressure on Tyson Fury to give up the belt or whatever, no, no. but I'm so happy that you know this Usyk Joshua fight is for that because Tyson Fury you know I like I really 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 like the guy as a fighter I respect the guy a lot but the guy is full of shit. And the guy just says one thing one day, he says he's retired. The next day, he's saying he's going to fight uh, Derek Chisora. Right. And then the next day, he's saying he's retired again. You just can't take anything the guy says seriously. And, you know, we just need some clarity in the division. And to be fair, you know, Mauricio Solomon and the WBC, they should, you know, do something with that as well because it's a joke, really. 
you know. And yeah. he said, he was on Talk Sport Radio and they were interviewing him. They said, well, if you're retired, you should give up the belt. And Tyson Fury started shouting at the people on Talk Sport saying, I'm the champ. I've got one year to decide what I want to do. Don't you disrespect me and all this rubbish. So That tells you everything you need you know, to know. You know, yeah, exactly. He's wait. He's waiting. Like, like you said, he's waiting to see what happens with this fight. If AJ wins, he'll one hundred percent fight him. If AJ loses, he doesn't want no part of Usyk. I completely agree, and it's 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 interesting that there's some fans out there that are pissed off about what Ring Magazine's doing, and I, I would figure more fans would appreciate it because if the sanctioning organizations took Tyson Fury and other guys at their word. When they said they were retired, we can move forward. These guys go exactly. back on their word and they hold up divisions. You know, Pacquiao and Mayweather did that for years when they held on. And um, oh, look God, at what Crawford and Spencer are doing, kind of. So it's sometimes brilliant. you can put pressure on these fighters by saying, okay, you're retired, cool. Belt's vacated. We're going to give it to somebody else. Um, that might motivate them to 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 move instead of sitting on their ass, you know. Who are these fans that are not happy about that? Though I've I've not seen any of these fans. They're not real fans, surely. I've seen a couple people <laughs> just on Twitter. Yeah, this the typical trolls on Twitter. They they've you know sent me DMs. I mean, I get death threats on Twitter DMs and stuff like that. All kinds of racist stuff oh, yeah. you know, all the time. But yeah, a few people you know responded to some of my tweets. And some people will do it publicly, but then others will send a DM and they'll say, oh, I saw that tweet, you know, this is bullshit. Why is Ring Magazine doing this? I'm like, what, what the hell? You know, like, like you should, That's you should pathetic. appreciate it. It's pathetic, man. It really is. Um, so uh, have you, have you, have you done a official prediction for the Usyk Joshua fight then? Or are you saving that till Friday? No, no. I So officially on the record, because Ring Magazine, like I said, we, we post, the predictions there. We do like a prediction thread that we post the week of the fight on ring ring TV.com. And um, officially I got Usyk decision, but okay. I'm really nervous about it. I'm nervous about that pick. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I, until you said it, I never thought about the whole, um, you know, AJ signed this, um, this huge deal with the uh, zone and, you know, they really need him to win this fight. They really need him to win this fight. And I didn't think about that, you know, whether it being in Saudi Arabia and, the judges and, and all this, it never really crossed my mind, but because of obviously he got the decision in the first fight, Usyk, but thinking about it now, I'm thinking maybe, you know, he, he needs to win nine rounds, Usyk, to get this fight. Yeah, that, that's the way I see it. That's just the way I see it. I, I'd love to be proven wrong. It would be amazing yeah. if we got a super, super close fight and the judges got it right, whether AJ wins it or Usyk wins it. Because I like both fighters, you know. I just want to see a good yeah, fight. I like, I like them both. You know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm British, so obviously I want uh, Joshua to win. You know, right. I'm really rooting for the guy. I rate the guy. I think he's massively underrated in America. Um, I really, really rate the guy. I, he's got his flaws, of course he has. But, I mean, if you look at his resume, who the people he's fought over the years, he's, you know, he's fought a lot more people than a lot. You look at his resume versus... Tyson Fury or, or Deontay Wilder's resume, you know, there's, there's no comparison. And, you know, the amount of top 10 fighters yep. AJ's fought. Yeah, he's lost He's lost two fights. So what? Exactly. You know, so what? So what? Who cares? Why, I don't understand why the O has so much value these days, you know. It's a it's big crazy. thing and and with the, American fans. And I don't understand it. It drives me crazy. 
but it's it does seem to be a big thing with American fans. I don't know why. Yep. Yeah, but if it, if it wasn't such a big thing, we would see the fights more often. That's what annoys me. Yes, I completely agree. If people are scared. People are scared. People are scared to lose their role. But why? Look, people, the best fight isn't out there at the moment. You've got people like Lomachenko. He's lost fights, you know? Canelo. You know, people don't care, you know? Yeah. Canelo, yeah, he's lost, he's lost fights. He's lost, you know, but these elite fighters, if you lose to other elite fighters, it doesn't matter because... At the end of the day, you know, the New England Patriots, they lose, they've lost to other great sides, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Real Madrid in, in, in football, they've lost to other great sides. It doesn't matter you come back, how you come back from those losses that counts, I think. I completely agree, brother. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, uh, great to chat to you, Mike. And I think that's, that's my call. So, uh, All right. speak to you soon. All right, man. Have a good night, Chris. Talk soon, man. Good to hear from yeah, you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you doing a Friday wrap up? Yeah, I should. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. Chat to you later, man. All right. Ciao. All right. There he goes. There he goes. All right, guys. We are out of here. Uh, great show. Great show. And uh, we'll try to do a show Friday, as I said, on my channel, where we will um, just go over anything else we see this week. And hopefully we get a great fight Saturday. Let me know if, again, you want me to do like a live video during the fight or if you want me to do an immediate reaction video right after the fight. All right. Let me know which one works for you guys. All right. See you at the fights. Peace.